You are listening to a message from City Church, located in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. For more information on City Church, or for additional resources, including service times, recommended readings, and additional audio, please visit citychurchpa.org. Uh, If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 30? Uh, We are continuing in our series, uh, Free at Last, and um, I'm so glad that even on this first day of the year, we are free uh, to worship the Lord. And and so today we're looking at the altar of incense and and what actually... what an honor to actually preach this passage uh, and launch us in. Um, uh, if you don't know, we are actually launching uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting where we are asking you as a church to join us uh, in crying out to God. Prayer is a privilege uh, that we have to call upon the Lord to actually come, uh, change us, unite us, and send us for his glory. Amen? And so that's actually what I, I want to just really even begin uh, as we're looking at this passage. Uh, that's really where we're going to end up at. Uh, this passage launches us into a life of prayer, the privilege of prayer, recognizing that prayer is something not to be shunned, uh, but prayer is something that is amazing. Um, and so, so we're looking at the altar of incense here. Uh, this altar of incense was to be set within the holy place. Uh, so so if, you, if, you, if you remember us describing the tabernacle, uh, there were three sections to it. There was the outer court, there was the, the, the inner court, and then there was the holy of holies. And so this, this altar here would be found in between the, the table, the table of bread, and then the menorah that would be on, on the outer other side, and so it was set in the holy place, um, and incense was to burn before God day and night, and this represents our a constant appeal to God for divine favor. This is what it represents. And so, so it, it, it's mentioned here because uh, it's very close to the ordination of the priest. And then so, so here we're going to see that they're going to mention the altar and then they're going to mention the duties of actually what the altar was meant to be. Like So in verse 1 to 5, um, we get to see the making of the altar. You are to make an altar for the burning of incense. Make it of acacia wood. Uh, and if you, if you remember very well, this is the same material that was used uh, to design most of the furniture in the tabernacle. Um, and it must be square uh, and 18 inches long, 18 inches wide. It must be 36 inches high. Its horns must, must be of one piece with it. Overlay its top all around its sides and its horns with pure gold. And, and remember, this is actually gold is everywhere. The lampstand is made of gold. The utensils in there are made of gold as well. Um, and it says, Let's make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for it under the molding of the two of its sides and put 
put these on the opposite sides uh, of, it for, of it to be the holders of the poles to carry it with. Because it was holy, um, they were, uh, God was saying that it needed to be carried also on poles. No one was meant to, be t- meant to touch it. They were meant to carry it as well. Um, and it says, make the poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold. And so gold here, this is a royal chamber. Uh, the holy place where God was, where they were meant to meet with God, where, the, where, where, where God was promising to be the light of his people, to walk with his people, to the light and life of his people. He was promising to be the sustainer of his people. And in the middle, you see this, this light of incense. And so it's located, verse 6, you get to see where it's at. You are to place the altar in front of the curtain, um, by the ark of the testimony and in front of the mercy seat that, 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 that is over the testimony and where I will meet with you. And so here we're getting to see God wants to meet with his people. He wants to dwell with his people. And so there was a, there was a role that this, this light was actually to play. And, and that's actually where you get to see that uh, we worship in, in, in the Old Testament here. Worship was not only just something. It, it was something that involved even the senses as well, um, as well. And so God's royal throne was behind the curtain. And then you get to see it was close to the mercy said where you you were guaranteed forgiveness uh, when the blood was sprinkled on it and and it belonged to the inner sanctuary here and then you get to see uh, the duties of it what was the role of it and look at verse 7 Aaron must burn the fragrant fragrant incense on it he must burn it every morning when he tends the lamps right and then when Aaron sets, the, uh, sets up the lamp at twilight. So it's morning and evening. He must burn incense. And there is to be an incense offering before the Lord throughout all generations. You must not offer authorized incense on it uh, or burn um, or a burnt or grain offering that you are not to pour a drink offering on it. And then so here they were burning the incense every single day, day and night, and the priests were, were not free to burn whatever they wanted in here, but they were actually meant to actually burn what God actually had actually recommended. And so he gives them that recipe in verse 34 to 38, and he mentions spices here, and they were actually to mix them in equal me- measure. And then these spices were actually meant to be taken, put on the altar, and that would be incense before God. And and one thing to note is this, that ancient people, they relied on, on just their sense of smell uh, to distinguish healthy and unhealthy environments, even recognizing um, other people by their smell as well. Uh, I mean, we do that today, like you, you know where there's a dead animal and all those things, like smell, like they, this was actually something that was meant to be a fragrant incense inside the, 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 the house of God, where there were sacrifices going on on the outside, but yet in the house of God, there was meant to be this incense going up and down. And so... And it was the priests that were meant to actually make this. And, and, and so what you get to see here is this altar that is meant to be day and night 
burning of incense. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's almost like in your home after you have done, you are done cleaning. I don't know if you've, if you've ever uh, actually followed the whole, uh, the whole reason why fragrance is actually like important in, in, in houses. For example, when they did the marketing for Febreze, uh, they realized that it wasn't so much, it wasn't so much of the, 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 the cleaning, everything looking clean. It was the fact that after you sprayed it, you smelled that, and then after that, you had a satisfied feeling that now your house is clean after you sprayed it. And so this is actually what this thing was meant to be. It was burning it before God, and, but yet there's something going on there. As, as the priest was actually burning this incense morning and evening, right? And this is where we see the significance. A constant burning of the incense in the holy place represented Israel's constant worship of God, right? This constant worship at the same time, con like conveying that our worship is going up, that our worship is not found. We are not worshiping anything that's underneath here. It was a demonstration of actually the command that our worship is upward, that he made us for himself, that our worship is not found here on earth, right? And so every time they burned it, they would watch that, that smoke go up and go up. And, they, and this actually became, they, they believed this was a sweet aroma before God. So the main question that I want us to actually chase here is what is it that came in the minds of Israelites when they were burning, when they were burning this incense? As this fragrance was burning, rising up to God, what did it signify? It signified worship, first of all, and, and, and the Exodus 30 kind of gives us at least an, in, an indication that this incense was, was for prayer. But when you, when you here, I'm going to introduce you to something that, that actually I believe is so important. When you can't find like all the details in one scripture, we use the rule that's called scripture, in, scripture making other scripture clear, right? So the safest way to interpret scripture is by comparing it with other scriptures, right? And so when you go to the book of Leviticus, for example, in verse, verse uh, 16, verse 18, uh, here we get to see it's confirmed that it describes this altar of incense as the altar that is before the Lord. It was a place for coming before the Lord, specifically for prayer, Right? And says, then he will go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. And he is to take some of the blood, bull's blood, and some of the goat's blood and put it on the horns and on all the sides. And, and we're going to get to see here when we explore verse 10 that there was no sacrifice of this incense apart from actually the sacrifice that would have been made it on the brazen altar outside. Right? Psalm 141, verse 1 to 2, gives us also another peek at what incense was really meant to symbolize. Lord, I call on you. Hurry to help me. How many of us have prayed this kind of prayer? Hurry to help me. Listen to my voice when I call on you. May my prayer be set before you as incense 
and a raising of my hands as an evening offering. This is one of the reasons why I love raising my hands when I worship. Because this is actually like when all sacrifice has been done in Jesus, now it is our sacrifice of just our voices and our, our, our posture and our physicality before him. And David here says, may this be a sacrifice before you. May it actually rise up to you as incense comes to you. And here the psalmist is praying, and he wasn't, he wasn't a priest, but he is actually saying the essential idea here, he was referring to this daily ritual in worship in the tabernacle, which where incense was burned. But the essential idea here is that, uh, is that, that, that this, this, his prayers were to be sweet, sweet smelling before God, a soothing, appeasing before God, like as, as he was praying. He's crying for help, right? He's asking God to receive his prayers all the same, and yet at the same time, he is saying that his prayers are like incense. The next place where we see incense actually mentioned is in Luke chapter 1, when Zechariah goes into the temple. And here, Luke chapter 1, verse 8, I'm going to read it. It says, when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before, before God, it happened that he was chosen by Lord and according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary and of the Lord and to burn incense. And at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And this was the tradition as the priest entered in to actually go and burn incense. The people of God would stop everything that they were doing and they would come around and they would, they would, they would wait and let him continue. He, he, they would be praying outside and he would be praying on the inside. Right? And an angel of the Lord appeared him to him standing at the right, uh, at the, at the, of the, to the right of the altar of incense. And so this passage connects incense to prayer. And Zechariah here is visited by an angel proclaiming the good news of the coming Christ, which is what we just celebrated this past week, right? Zechariah here is, he's on, he's in duty to actually go and be the one who's doing that morning and evening. And at the same time as he's doing that, it says this, that all of a sudden, he, an angel appears to him. And look at what actually the angel says in verse 3, in verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth would bear a son, and you will name him John. And we know he's going to be the forerunner of Jesus, who's going to go and proclaim the cup of Jesus, Right? At the time of offering incense was actually a time of intercession. I want you to see how these are hand in hand. As the people prayed outside, the people prayed for the people who were also praying. The, the priest is praying and, he, and the people outside are enabled to pray by the fact that he is praying in there. And he is actually saying, though we are sinners, let this fragrance, in, 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 let this fragrance go up and the blood that is on the horns, let, let, them be, let these prayers be acceptable before God. Right? 
And so these prayers are ascending before the throne of God. The last place where we see incense is actually my favorite kind of passages here uh, in the book of Revelation. We're burning incense before God three times, three times, uh, three times. Uh, you, you get to see it three times mentioned here, and it represents what they call the prayers of, of the saints. Right. So John, in his vision of glory, he saw the 24 elders worshiping God on his heavenly throne. And he also saw what they were doing, Revelation 5, 8. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, look at this, they fell down before the Lamb, right, before Christ, as one had a harp and a golden bowl filled with incense. And here, what you get to see Revelation actually then gets to say that it's not just that these incense are the prayers of the saints. Where the temple no longer exists and where the incense no longer gets burned every single day, what then is the incense that is burning every single time? The prayer of the saints. And this, this says that this incense prayer of the saints, right? Here they, we get to see here incense represents prayers of God's people, right? The same connection we see it later on in Revelation chapter 8, 3 and 4. Another angel with golden incense burner came and stood at the altar and he was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar in front of the throne. Remember? Remember Hebrews 8? It says that this tabernacle was, was a copy of actually the heavenly tabernacle. And this is actually like what we get to see that when he's carrying incense, he's taking it together with the prayers of the people, right? The smoke of incense with the prayers of, of the saints went up to the presence of God from the angel's hand, right? And you know what the context is there? It's the people of God. They're in the midst of suffering. They're in the midst of pain. They're crying to God, how long, oh God? How long, God? How long are you going to let these things keep on going? And it says that these prayers came before him. Verse 5, the angel took the incense burner, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it to the earth. And there were, pearl, there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Do you know what that tells you? God is intervening because of the prayers of the saints. He's now intervening on the earth. And it is felt. It is sin. It is sin in a tangible sense. This is actually like rumblings, thunder, light flashings of lightning and earthquakes. Right? In all these cases that you see above, incense represents the seeking of God, God's favor for his people, right? And then it's, it's a plea of forgiveness where, the, 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 where, where you're seeing people coming to the Lord and asking God to show favor. And this is actually where now, as Christians... We need to probably recognize, and, and I'm glad I get to say this as your pastor from the beginning of the year, that prayer is one of the most important, in fact, the chief most important work of the church. 
Because in prayer, do you know what happens in prayer? In prayer, you, you, you are praying just like that incense that burns. You see the smoke first and then it disappears. But it is not, it is not just disappearing. It goes before God and God treasures all those prayers. And yet the prayer becomes the very way you want to know why, what empowers the church to be an agent of change in the world. It's through the means that he has given to us. Those prayer cannot make God move. It is literally the agency that he has given to us. Prayer cannot manipulate God, but prayer is, is the gift that he has given us and said, it's like, it's like the president giving you his private line and saying, you can call on me anytime. Listen, you don't need an appointment. Call on me on this number. Prayer is the ordained means by which we get access into the throne of heaven to be our help in times of need for whatever we need so that we can see him work in our lives. Amen. So, 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 so prayer is, is an important part of our ministry. But the key to our prayers being heard, uh, uh, and this is going to help us, you and me, go into this year. The key to our prayers being heard is not our own works. It's not our own righteousness. There's nothing that you can do to make your prayers be heard. Listen to this. The key to that prayer is found even in verse 10 there, where before incense could be offered, atonement had to be made for sin. Right, the altar of incense, this sweet altar of prayer had to be consecrated by sacrificial blood. Look at verse 10. Once a year, Aaron is to perform an atonement sacrifice for the altar. For that to happen, for prayer to happen, he had to sacrifice first, right? Throughout your generations, he is to perform the atonement ceremony for it once a year and with the blood of the sin offering for the atonement on the horns, the altar is, is especially holy to the Lord. And so this blood that was sacrificed on the outside would come and now they would sprinkle it on there and take it to the mercy seat and that made now an open channel for the people of God. What, what was their assurance that their prayers were being heard? Was the fact that the sacrifice had been made. Oh, hold on for a second. This, 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 this takes us into, into what, like what, what, what you and I have as a privilege as believers, those who celebrate Jesus Christ, our crucified, ruling and reigning king of kings. This is actually what it gives us. Look at Ephesians 2. And walk in love as Christ also loved us, gave himself for us. He was the sacrifice, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. So Jesus was our fragrant offering. He was our true incense who was burned at the altar so that literally there, he, when he's saying it is finished, heaven was open, the veil torn in half. Now your prayers go up to him with great boldness. Amen. Access to God in prayer depends on having this atonement for our sins and prayer is made possible through Christ. Prayer is made possible. It's a possibility now, right, 
That we, you and I couldn't have fellowship with the Holy God in prayer unless something is done about the penalty of the sin that we deserve, right? Forgiveness is granted. One theologian says it this way, I'm going to read it. At the brazen altar, Christ died for us, shed his blood, reconciled us to God, made us forever secure in him. But at the golden altar, he lives in heaven to intercede for those for whom he has already died, who he has already saved. And the brazen altar speaks of the death of Christ and the golden altar speaks of the living, resurrected, ascended Lord Jesus Christ. The two altars, right, speak of the death, the resurrection, and constitute of the full message of the gospel. This is it right here. That the fact that now when we pray, listen, do you know what actually is so good? When we pray, when we pray, it, it, it's, 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 it's almost like this. What you see in Scripture, it says the Holy Spirit, that is Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Christ intercedes on our behalf. Reminds me of my children. When, for example, like, for example, like I couldn't hear what my youngest one was saying, my, or my oldest one would hear them loud and clear. And they would always interpret to me what they were saying. All, just the mumble, and then all of a sudden, Judah would be like, he says he wants chocolate milk. I was like, what, what are you saying? Like, I just, and I look at my wife, and I'm like, did you hear any chocolate milk in there? And then I look at, I look at Cooper and say, do you need chocolate milk? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's what, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. No how to pray and what to say and what, how to express your voice. But God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are taking your feeble attempts to communicate what you truly need. Though you ask for a Ferrari, he gives you, he gives you whatever beta car you've got. And he's like, yeah, that's what he needs, right? And just prayer is now made possible. Because of Jesus and his sacrifice, Look at Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness. That, that word is just amazing. Can, can you hear that? No sin is a hindrance anymore. Your sins, though they are many, they've been moved to the side. Since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. That's what the cross does for us. This is why we pray in Jesus' name. Please don't ever undermine that. When you say in Jesus' name, it takes everything. It's not on my own merit, Lord. Every single time you say in Jesus' name, amen. So be it, not on my own merit, but on the work of the finished work on G of Jesus, please accept my plea. Let my prayer rise up before you as incense. But God, please don't look at me. None of my own works. Because I, I, you know, I, I don't deserve it. But in Jesus' name, John Newton kind of paints a really good picture of this in his hymn, 
called the pleading of pleading his gracious name. He says, approach my soul, the mercy seat. Listen to this. Where Jesus answers prayer, there humbly fall before his feet, for none can perish there. And then now he gives us, what gives us the right to come in prayer is this atonement of Jesus he has made for us on the cross. So Newton ends by praising Christ for his saving work. He says, oh, wondrous love, to bleed and die, to bear the cross and shame, that guilty sinners such as I might bleed thy gracious name. Here we get to see that God accepts our prayers when we approach him in Jesus Christ's name, claiming his atoning death. This is the basis of our access to him when we come to him, right? And there we get to see that Jesus begins to say amen to our prayers. Like Hebrews 7, 5 says, therefore, he is able. God, help me now. Therefore, he is able to save completely. If you have your Bible, just underline that word. He doesn't do a half job. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't do a half job of, of his saving work. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. For Christ did not, 9.24, Christ did not enter in sanctuary made of hands, but a model of the true one. But to, into heaven itself, that he might appear in the presence of God for us. So ultimately, we get to see that this incense signifies Christ's prayers on our behalf signifies our prayers before him. But then, you know, when you finally get into the scriptures, you begin to see that like we are now called actually the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? The temples of the Holy Spirit. And 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul begins to say, but thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us, because now we are the temples. And where we go, all of a sudden, listen to through us, spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. What happened at the cross there is that Jesus tore the veil of the temple. And he planted his temple inside of us. Now all of a sudden... Everywhere we go, singing his praises, worshiping him. Now we are incenses burning in a, in a world that is filled, filthy with sin. Where we walk in, we fill the world with fragrance. I, I was so, so pleased to see, my brother showed me a hundred pastors getting together during the blizzard when things were freezing. Go look, there's an article, 100 pastors opening up their churches, warming up their churches, welcoming people that were stranded with no heat. 
and sheltering them. I said, that's what it looks like to be insensitive. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ amongst those who are being saved, amongst those who are perishing. Listen to that. In the world, if you were to ask, why has God planted me in this workplace? Why has God planted me? And some of us usually are like, man, they cost too much, so I'm leaving, or they did this, this and that. Listen, God has planted you there to be that agent of change, to now be his what? The fragrance of Christ. Amongst those who are being saved. That's why when we're singing together, listen, you cannot, like you can, you, can, you can be a Christian and go and be by yourself and try to sing songs on TV, but it doesn't have the same effect as getting together as the saints and singing together because we are now filling each other up with the praises, the incenses of each other like we were singing before. And there's something that happens with that. But not only that, God places us in the world to be, now begin what? To be incenses amongst those who are perishing. To some where the aroma of death leading, leading to death. This is what it means. To some where the aroma of death. Ever wonder sometimes why some people are just against you because you are a believer. Because you, even though the aroma is going, you are an aroma of death. You, you remind them of their own sin and all those things. But it doesn't mean withdraw, stay there. But to others, eventually, as you keep leaving your gospel witness in front of them, faithfully to others, as you pray, intercede for them, to others, as you serve them sacrificially, to others, as you love them, as Christ has loved them, and sacrificially, though they have hurt you the most, deepest, in, in, in the deepest way, to others, you become the what? The aroma of life, leading to life, right? Who is adequate for these things? No one. But thank God he does that to us, right? So I want to end by just kind of pushing you towards this. That like, I, my prayer is, is that for us, we would recognize that in Christ, Christ, in Christ, God has now taken this privilege that was only done for only priests. Like priests would enter and they would sacrifice. And he has now opened wide. Now it is actually the privilege of us all, Right? Prayer is no longer a privilege of just a one person who's making that and that assurance and others are praying outside the tent, not sure whether their prayers are going to be answered or not. They're, this is where the curiosity was when Zechariah couldn't speak. They wanted to know, what did God say? What did he say? What did he say? We want to know. We want to know. And they had to wait for a long time until he opened his mouth and all of them gathered to hear. We don't need to do that anymore in Christ because now in prayer the privilege that was left for a few is now been given to all of us and I want to say this listen as a church one of the greatest one of the greatest successes maybe Satan could have in your life is making you undermine prayer if he can do that then he knows that he's got you 
Though you are saved, though you are a child of God, though you are going to enjoy the privileges of heaven, but you will be so, you, you, you would walk into the throne room of heaven and you would literally look around and say, oh, this was mine while I was on earth. Man, I wish I had prayed more. And I love at least following some of the old saints. Billy Graham, when he's dying, if you listen to that interview, he says, I wish I had read my Bible and prayed more. What? Are you kidding me? John Stott, I wish I had spent more time in communion with Christ. Jerry Packer, I wish I had prayed more. Read a whole lot of, a lot of them are like, I just wish I had communed with them more. So as believers in Christ, we've been given this greater privilege. Through the atoning sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, we've been granted immediate access to the throne room of the almighty God. And what do we do there? Jesus says, now when you come before him, call him our father. Call him your father. And then when you come before him, and this is what Alistair Begg says in his book on prayer. He says, prayer reminds us of who we are and who our father is. Prayer expresses our dependence and it reinforces our dependence on him. That when you pray, you are reminding yourself who you are and whose you are. We're able to approach him anytime, any day, any night, for any reason. That's what prayer does now. We don't need to be burning incense before him. We can now, as, as these aromas of Christ, we can go before him. We can ask him to build his church. Let your kingdom come. Can you see, when you pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let means you believe that he has the power to do so. Let your kingdom come. We, we begin to ask him, which is what I'm inviting us to do as a church. Let's begin to ask him to build this church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Let's begin to ask him to use us as witnesses here and around the world. And he can do it for his own glory. Amen. He works in us and through us. In prayer, we can ask him to change us. In prayer, we can ask him to take people in a society that like literally are meant to be divided because of culture, race, and skin color, and all those things. In prayer, we can now be, see the Holy Spirit do a work to reconcile us and unite us where the world says we're divided, we should be divided. In prayer, then all of a sudden, he works his fragrance within us and glues us together. Amen? In prayer, we can ask him to supply our needs according to his riches and glory. In prayer, we can ask him to forgive our sins. And we can ask him to protect us from the spiritual attacks of the enemy. John Chrysostom, a church father, says this prayer is the place of refuge. Listen to this. For every worry, a fountain of cheerfulness. Do you constantly sometimes find yourself under the cloud of depression? Go to the altar, run into the refuge of prayer. It says a foundation of cheerfulness, a source of constant happiness, a protection against sadness. 
right? Again, this is actually what prayer does. And Tony Evans, a pastor in Dallas, says this. He says, the bottom line is to pray. Why? Because it's your greatest privilege. The bottom line is to pray. If you're tired, sick, and emotionally overwhelmed, pray. If you are on cloud nine and life seems to be perfect, pray. If you lack direction, pray. If you doubt that prayer makes any difference, pray. If circumstances of your life are out of control, pray. If circumstances of your life seem well within and, you, and you're, you're, you, you've got everything is going right, pray even harder. Whatever you do, don't stop praying. What an amazing opportunity we have. I want to plead with you. Please do not neglect this high privilege that we have, this privilege of prayer. And as I end today, and I remind us, this is what Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says. That the altar of prayer should be for everyone. And we should pray on a daily basis. Listen to this. I want you to see. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is the will, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of us usually are looking for what is God's will for my life? It's locked up in that your joy, you rejoice always, pray constantly. Like let there be nothing that you don't, that you do, that you don't do without prayer. You know, I grew up in a smoking household. My father used to smoke. And there was just something about it that like, you just didn't realize that like literally like everything inside, inside everything in some measure was affected by that smoke. And that you could literally sometimes smell your own clothes when you've been outside somewhere and you would smell that fragrance. And here, this is actually what it's saying. That let every decision, every move, in him we live and move and have our being. Let everything that you do, behind it, in it, through it, around it, whatever it is, let there be found. God, help me. God, help me. I need you. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we come before you. God, we thank you for this sweet reminder by, by this incense altar that was where incense burned on a daily basis, morning and evening. God, as we remember this, would you remind us through the power of the Holy Spirit would you help us, Lord, to Begin to value. Not though today, God, we're not burning incense here, that we've got our hearts, our lives, 
as aromas that come to you. Now, Lord Jesus, as we take breath every single day, now, Lord, you'd remind us that we have the high privilege of coming before you and make our needs known and worshiping you. God, would you make us a praying church? It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from City Church, located in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We hope God meets you where you are and doesn't leave you, but changes you through the work of His Son. For additional information, please visit citychurchpa.org.